Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. We thank you for your word as we get into your word. We know that it is full of all truth. We know that it keeps us safe, that it keeps us on the straight and narrow. Father, I thank you for this past weekend, the marriage conference. I thank you for those who volunteered to do so much work to pull it off, to make it happen. I thank you for your word and how many couples have been encouraged and strengthened and refocused, re-energized for the kingdom. I thank you for Joseph who taught last Sunday, a faithful young man who loves you and desires to serve you. What a blessing, Lord. What a blessing to see faithful young men and women desiring to follow Jesus in the midst of a perversed and crooked generation, Lord. So we just thank you for that. And we want to, we want to raise up even more. So get us involved, Lord. It's not going to happen on its own. We need to be involved. Father, I thank you and I ask for the gift of teaching and that you will be glorified in and through your word this morning. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, Acts chapter 4. Again, if you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Acts verse by verse. Pick it up in verse 1. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in prison until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Honest the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? And if you're newer visiting, this is all about Peter healing a lame man. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go outside, out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. 
but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God and with one accord said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage? And the people plot vain things. The kings of the earth looked, took their stand, and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed... The place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Wanted to read all of that so we could get the context of our text. Starting in verse 15, the Sanhedrin could not deny the truth. And that's very important for you and I today in our culture that we're living in. We have the truth, and Jesus said, what the truth will set you free. We just need to keep walking in the truth. And as we share the truth, we need to do what Ephesians tells us to do, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Not sloppy love, but agape love. Committed, selfless, unconditional love. That's agape love. God loves you. God does not condone your sin nor my sin, but God loves us just the same. Very important. They excuse Peter and John from their presence that they might come to a consensus on what to do about this situation because as we just read, it's very puzzling to them. I mean, we've been studying the Torah. We've been studying God's word for 25, 30, 35 years, some of us in this room, speaking of the Sanhedrin here. And have you, have you heard any, have you healed anybody, Nicodemus? Have you healed anybody? Anybody, have you healed anybody? I haven't healed anybody. Why would he, why would God use these people? They're uneducated. They're unlearned. They're from the Galilee. That's Hick Town. This was very puzzling to them. 
And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Why would God use you? You're from the hick town. Queen Creek. When I say where I'm from, people can't get Queens Creek. No, no. Say it slow. Say it slow. Queen Creek. Or they'll say it quick. Queen Queen. No, no. Say it real slow. Just real slow. Queen Creek. It's a hick town. It's a farming town. It's out on the very edge of the valley. Guys, we're the very southern edge of the valley. This is it. It's a hick town. And we will automatically disqualify ourselves because we're from a hick town mentally. It will allow the enemy... Well, I, I didn't go to Bible college. Well, I don't have the Bible memorized. Guys, these guys had the Bible memorized. The first five books of the Bible, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they had them memorized. Why doesn't God use us? Well, we know why. The scriptures tell us why. How could a miracle like this happen by such common people? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4. You see, the council or the Sanhedrin, those 70 men, they were very, very perplexed. And guys, people in your family members, as a couple shared this past week at our marriage conference, amazing testimony of going from totally worldly, even as believers, as God was working out their salvation, still getting rid of that worldly trash that was in their lives. Because when we come to God, we don't come sparkling clean. We come as we are. You know, you don't clean a fish before you catch it. So God takes us the way we are. He doesn't expect us to stay that way. Through surrender, through allowing Him to remold and reshape us, He gets rid of things. And this couple shared just very graphically how God turned their lives around and the things that they were five, seven, eight years ago is not who they are today. So their family members, acquaintances, maybe people in the job site can look at them and go, you're, you're different. Something's changed. And what can we say? Well, I've just spent time with Jesus. I've just been spending time with Jesus. And he can take any one of us, no matter what testimony you have, whether it's Really, really bad or just that you've led a clean life. You're still a sinner in need of a savior. You think you might have led a clean life. But what's going on upstairs? That's what Jesus said. If you have hatred in your heart towards your brother, you've committed murder. Jesus went to the intent of the law, not just the outward expression. Jesus said, if you have lust for another person, you're committing adultery or you're committing fornication. So you might appear to have it all together and you haven't, don't have, you know, one of these really bizarre testimonies of drugs and alcohol and this, that, and the other thing. It's all up here. You got a weird testimony. Nobody else just knows about it. We need a savior. So if you're here today, I want you to know there might be one person here today. God loves you, first and foremost. The Bible tells us this, that God loves you just the way you are. Second thing, you're a sinner in need of a savior. Many of us, if not all of us in this room, have acknowledged that at one point in our lives. We're a sinner in need of a Savior. Thirdly, Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No person, no female, no male, no man, no woman, gets to heaven except through me. It's that simple. So if you didn't understand the gospel, I think you understand it now. God loves you. You're a sinner. He sent Jesus to die for you. You need a savior. Accept Jesus. You become a son or a daughter. It's that simple. We're not here to play church or be religious. 
We're here to build our relationship. And so in building that relationship in 1 Peter chapter 4, we read this. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Now, if you were a Christian back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and you read this, you might not think that much about it. 90s, yeah, yeah, it's not that big a deal. The zeros, still not a big deal. But now we're approaching the 20s, the last three to five years. This is very applicable to you if you are a Bible-believing Christian. If you are willing to take a stand for the name of Jesus and a stand for the Bible, this is becoming more and more applicable to you as it was very applicable on this day in front of the Sanhedrin for Peter and John. Now, just a few years later, Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, Beloved, do not think it is a strange, do not think it's strange Concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. So guys, as we continue to take a stand, and I read the news, it's just crazy what's going on. Don't think it's strange. You're a Bible-believing Christian. Don't think it's strange. Remember, it happened to Peter and John. Over healing a man in the name of Jesus. That's pretty strange. As though some strange thing happened to you. But rather rejoice to the extent that you are, that you partake of Christ's sufferings. That when His glory is revealed, when's that gonna happen? When you die, or the rapture, nobody gets out of here alive, ten out of ten people still die, even you as an unbeliever, you're gonna die. His glory is revealed. You may also be glad with exceeding joy. Verse 14, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, not for your own stupidity. Notice there's a big difference there. But just because you love people and you stand on the truth, not like some of these supposable Christians that are saying God hates all queers, That's not speaking the truth in love. That's not even speaking the truth. For God so loved the world. God loves every single person. So if you bring persecution on yourself because you're saying anti-biblical things, don't stand up and think you're some big hero or martyr. You're not. You're a poor example of a Christian. But when we speak it in truth, in love, when we're reproached, the word reproach there means to defame. To defame. When you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed. Oh, you're a Christian. You're a bigot. You're a homophobiac. You're this, you're that. You don't even know me. Why are you saying all these names? You don't even know me. I love everybody. Get over it. It's called fear and intimidation. You think peer pressure is only happening in junior high and high school? It's peer pressure is happening in our culture all around us in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Where parents are abandoning the faith to support their child who came out of the closets. 
Peer pressure. That's what it's called. No, we're going to stay focused on God. For for their party is blaspheme, but on your party is glorified. Defamation. Here's some definitions from Webster's. The The uttering of slanderous words with a view to injure another's reputation. And I just used a few of those words. You're a bigot. You're a homophobiac. Really? I, I didn't know that. What are they trying to do? To slander you. They're trying to slander you. Try to get others to turn against you. The malicious uttering of falsehood, respecting another which tends to destroy or impair his good name. The word that's flying around a lot lately, you're a racist. Really? I'm a racist. Again, thanks for educating me on that. Because I'm not, but I'm, I guess you're right and I'm wrong. You know me better than I know myself. You just want to defame, you want to destroy, you want to impair the name of Jesus. Or character or occupation. So I got two questions. Could this happen to a Bible-believing Christian today? Could a person be brought on trial in front of a committee and raked over the coals for what supposedly happened 40 years ago to destroy a person's character, a person's career, because they're a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian. Could this happen? And then the second question is obviously the same answer. Is it happening to Bible-believing Christians today? The answer is obvious, guys. Yes. And it's only going to get worse as we see the last days coming upon this world. Let's look at Luke 21. Luke 21. You see, Peter and John didn't have the privilege of having the Scriptures. They had the Old Testament, but they don't have what we have today on our laps. To be comforted, to be encouraged, to be strengthened by. They're called in front of the Sanhedrin, guys. We, you know, we just really can't comprehend this. But think of being called in front of Congress. 70 people, men and women who are Congress people, and you're put on a table with a mic in front of you, glaring lights, photographers in back of you, photographers behind you. That's intimidating. But we've got the Word of God. Peter and John just had the Holy Spirit, right? Did you hear what I just said? They just had the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit's God. They were trusting in God, not their education, not their scriptural knowledge. Luke 21. Then Jesus said to them, Nation will rise against nation. Ethnos, the word nation there is ethnos. And kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places, and famines, and pestilences. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, this is before the tribulation. At Calvary, we believe in a seven-year tribulation. We also believe in the rapture. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you. 
delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Testimony. Therefore, today, you and I, right here this Sunday morning, therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. And that's hard for any of us to do. I mean, when you're going to a meeting in the workplace or, or any type of meeting, you're always, we just automatically surmise what's happening. We, the enemy gets us worked up, this, that, and the other thing. And then when somebody's even talking, oftentimes we'll start saying things back and forth, not even really listening to that person. We cut them off. We cut them short. We disengage. Here Jesus is saying, don't sweat it. Now that doesn't, now don't take that to the other extreme of don't read your Bibles, don't meditate, don't memorize, balance, balance. We do our part, the Holy Spirit will always do His part. Therefore, settle in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Isn't that awesome? You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends. And they will put some of you to death. Praise God, I get to go to heaven. What a bummer. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Whose name? Muhammad? Joseph Smith? Buddha? Harry Krishna? What name? Jesus, the wonderful name of Jesus. Guys, we cannot stick our heads in the sand and pretend this is not happening to our culture. It is happening. We are living in the last days. And we, I, you, we have an opportunity to proclaim the wonderful name of Jesus. That he loves you. He died for you. I'm not going to apologize for that. And I'm not going to back away from that. God loves everyone. But God will not condone our sin. Believer as well as an unbeliever. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience. And this is so key, guys. By your patience, possess your souls. What they're going to do, let me just give you some insight, because this is what they're going to try to do to you as a Christian. They're going to mock and ridicule you, and then they're going to try to push your buttons to try to get you to say something or do something. Well, they'll be able to say, aha, see, you're getting angry. You've got hatred. It's written all over your face. So you have to be ready beforehand to just put on the same old record. Well, you know, you must not have been listening to me because I just said God loves everybody. And you seem to be getting upset. And I read in the media that there's hatred going around. And you've got to ask for the Holy Spirit to keep you calm. And you say, you know, I'm quite calm, but you are quite the opposite. What's going on? Call them on it. 
But you have to have the patience, knowing it's going to happen. They're going to persecute me. They're not going to like me. Big whoop. God loves me. I'm going to heaven. Be ready. Be ready. Because as soon as you light up, as soon as you take off, that's when they're going to call you on the carpet. You see, just as it will be for us, a work of the Holy Spirit was shining forth in our text, and the religious elite didn't know what to do about it. And that will happen in your life and my life. When we sit calmly, ask for the Holy Spirit, Lord, give me love for these people. They're mocking me. They're ridiculing me. They're making fun of my faith. God, give me love right now for these people. And as you do that, as you throw up that prayer, you're going to get love. You're going to get love because you're going to get more of the Holy Spirit. And they're going to look at you and they're going to be like, man, this person actually loves God. This person actually loves Jesus. And they won't, even they're threatening you. I could be threatened very shortly, guys. I don't know if you're watching politics at all. If you're, if you've read, like I mentioned to you, like three to six months ago about reading the Equality Act. There are people running for office where they've already said as soon as they get in office, they're going to enact the Equality Act. That's their first agenda, is to enact the Equality Act. When they do that, it will be against the law for me as a pastor, against the law in America as a pastor, to teach that homosexuality is a sin, that same-sex marriage is a sin, that fornication is a sin. I will have a prison ministry if I continue to preach the gospel. If you do it, not as a pastor, but just as an individual, you can lose your job. This is already happening in America. If you post something on your Facebook page, you could lose your job, even though it's your private right to do so. No, it's no private anymore. No, no, no. No, no, no. Sorry. You just got fired. And if you don't think this is happening, then you're obviously not reading the paper. Well, who reads papers anymore? You know, obviously not reading the news. And you need to wake up. It is happening. We need to keep using the name of Jesus again in a loving way, in a truthful way, no matter what. And that's exactly what the disciples are going to say next in verses 19 and 20. But when Peter and John answered and said, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You see, once again, Peter and John shared with those gathered that they would rather listen to God's leading and directions. I'm not going to ask you a show of hands because I think all your hands would go up. Than the threats and warnings given by man. But guys, this is very real. This is very, very real. I, as a pastor, could not only go to prison, I could lose everything. And if you don't think this is real, it's already happened in Oregon. It happened in Colorado. It's happening in Washington to Christians who are taking a stand. They're losing their businesses. They're possibly going to lose their homes. They're going to lose all of their assets. They're going to be poor. They're going to be homeless for the sake of diversity. This is happening. So you and I, we have to make a decision ahead of time that we would rather listen to God's leading and directions rather than to threats and warnings given by men. You see, they were sold out for the cause of Christ. And I've talked with Claudia and our kids. They know this this could happen. And I just, just get ready. 
Just get ready. If it happens, it happens. I'm not backing down. And then they won't either. You see, what a transformation has taken place in the hearts of the disciples. You see, they were so attentive. They were so in tune with God that even those who were opposing their teachings didn't bring, this is key, didn't bring any fear into their lives. You see, what do the disciples, what, what do, have the disciples been doing now that they didn't have before the Lord's death and resurrection? First, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And what were the disciples doing now that they were not doing before the Lord's death and resurrection? Secondly, they were studying the Word of God. They were spending time with like-minded believers. They were attending synagogue. And they were praying together. They were growing in the love of God and the love of the brethren. You see, fear was removed because of that commitment to learn and implement. As I shared this past week at the marriage conference. We can go to marriage conference, marriage conference, marriage conference. We can go to men's retreats, women's retreats. We can come to Bible studies. We can come to Sunday morning Bible studies. We can learn and learn and learn. If we do not implement, it's pointless. It's pointless. It's pointless in my life. It's pointless in your life. If we do not implement these principles into our lives, then we're playing church. We're just playing church. And it's going to continue to go downhill in our lives and in the lives of our country. Unless there's a true repentance and revival in the church. Fear is removed because of the commitment to learn and implement the agape, the agape love of God into their lives. Let's look at John 15. Let's look at a few verses here. Turn quickly. John 15, I'm going to read them if you don't get there. You can write them down. John 15, 4 through 5, Abide in me and I in you. Jesus speaking to his disciples, not speaking to the general population. Jesus was speaking specifically to his disciples. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And in context, as you read this and you understand what Jesus is talking about, he's talking about eternal perspective, eternal fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. We need to stay plugged in. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Notice this. As believers, we should be bearing much fruit. For without me... You can do nothing. Notice that total reliance upon Jesus. For without me, you can do nothing. And again, not temporary. We can do a lot of things temporarily and it's all going to burn at the end of the day. Jesus is speaking about eternal things. Do we want to impact a culture with eternal things today? If you say yes, then we need to abide in Jesus and we need to be ready for persecution. It's just the way it's going to be. First Peter chapter 1, 22 and 23. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, notice these things, love one another fervently with a pure heart. So we have to guard our wicked hearts against evil things, prejudices that might be in there. We didn't know they were in there until we get into a situation and all of a sudden they pop out. We need to guard our hearts and be rid of those prejudices, whatever they might be. Having been born again, 
not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Born once, die twice. Born twice, you're born physically, you're born again spiritually, you're only going to die once. Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, forever. As we look back in Acts chapter 4, verses 21-22, because we see they couldn't deny the facts of the healing. And this admonition from Peter didn't sway the religious elite at all, so they just threatened them some more. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people. For Since they all glorified God. They didn't glorify Peter and John. We don't glorify Calvary Chapel or any name on a building. We glorify God. For what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. Very important. Notice where the disciples went after they were harassed and threatened. They went right back to those who are like-minded. They went back to the fellowship of believers. So a question here, where do we go when we are threatened or feel threatened? Do we seek after God and God's people? God's word? Or do we become downcast and take on the woe is me mentality? You see, Peter and John went to their fellow believers and shared with them the good news. We were persecuted for using the precious name of Jesus. You won't find that on too many plaques in too many kitchens. Good news. We were persecuted because we took a stand for Christ. You might want to get that plaque in your kitchen and memorize it because it is coming. You see, when we stop to think about it, it really doesn't get any better than that on this side of heaven. To know Jesus and to make him known. No matter what the cost. Verses 23 through 30. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported to all the chief priests and elders said to them. So when they had heard that, they raised up their voice to God with one accord and said, now look at what they say. Is there creation or evolution? What is being taught in our school system for the last 30, 40, 50 years? Creationism or evolution? So notice what the disciples, what these people that are gathered for this prayer meeting who are praying for Peter and John, notice what they say. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, all that's in the heavens, all that's on the earth, all that's in the waters. So first and foremost, they acknowledge there is a God. You are God. And they acknowledge that there's creation. Creation. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, now notice what they do. They go back and they reference the scriptures. Why did the nations rage? And they're going back to Psalm, Second Psalm, verses 1 and 2. And the people plot vain things. The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. As we're reading this, let's notice a few things here. First and foremost, they didn't ask to be relieved of the persecution. As we've already read this, and we're reading it again, they did not ask to be relieved of the persecution. 
God, why didn't you protect me? I'm following you. I'm serving you. God, why? Why didn't you protect me? And it's going to get a lot worse. This was a mild meeting compared to what is going to start happening. So we've got to be careful of that, that we don't get in our heads, that we, sh- that we shouldn't go through persecution. The next thing I notice is they didn't pray that the authorities would leave them alone. God, just protect us. Help nobody to notice us. They also didn't pray for anyone to be taken out or removed from their position of authority. Instead, they just magnified the God who spoke the universe into being. And as you read your Bible, you will find that in Peter. You'll find that through Paul. They didn't say, God, would you please wipe out Nero? He's killing Christians. Just take him out. You're not going to find that in your Bible. What are you going to find? Pray for those who are in authority. For the authorities that are there are ordained by God. Don't ask me why. It's in the Bible. I'm not God. God has a plan and a purpose. He allows certain people to take charge for a certain reason. It's his deal, not mine. What I am called to do is to pray for them. Pray for them as we have faithfully done for decades. Whoever's in office, it doesn't matter to us, we're going to pray for whoever is in office. You see, they magnified, instead they just magnified the God who spoke the universe into being, guys. Can God take care of us? I think so. He spoke the universe into being. I don't think it's a big problem. As we continue on, verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Notice this. You see, the Trinity has a plan. And we need to remember that the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, knew what was going to happen before the foundation of the world. The Trinity knew that there needed to be an ultimate acceptable sacrifice to cleanse the world of sin. So God was going to allow His one and only Son to be crucified for all of mankind. Why do I bring this up? Why do we need to know this? Because the Trinity knew about these things before the foundation of the world. And the Trinity knows all about you and me as well. So as we read this, we can be encouraged. God is a plan behind our persecution. If we get lifted up and get a raise and get magnified, God has a plan and a purpose behind that. Yes, you did your part, but don't get too big ahead. God's just opening up a door for you to go through. Use it for the Lord. If you get demoted... Use it for the Lord. He's got a plan and a purpose behind it all. Whatever the case may be, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, has a plan. Verse 29, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Again, notice, don't remove them. Don't kill them. Rather, give us more boldness. And when they prayed... The place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled. Weren't they already filled? For you who have been here in Acts, weren't they already filled? They were already filled. But notice what happened. They were filled again. Well, I thought it was a one-time thing. Well, that's where you need to be reading your Bible from Genesis to Revelation because it is not a one-time thing. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke The word of God with boldness. Notice they didn't speak an agenda. 
a worldly agenda. They spoke the word of God. What is faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Jim, hearing by the Democrats, hearing by the Republicans, hearing by the Libertarians, hearing by... Guys, it's by the word of God, which is being wiped out of our society. You, as Bible-believing Christians, are a major minority. Sounds like an oxymoron, but it's not when you think about it. You are a major minority in America today. You believe in the Bible? All of it? Jonah? Oh, come on. You believe in Jonah? Yeah, come on. You believe in a worldwide flood? Oh, come on. You believe in creation? Oh, come on. You believe marriage is one man and one woman? Oh, come on already. Minority. Minority. Let's look at Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. As the music team comes up. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will the father give the son a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will the father give the son a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? And I love this. I love what Jesus says here. He he hits the nail right on the head. If you then being evil, if you dads know how to take care of your kids, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, notice, very, very important. You won't find this in Matthew. Matthew has these exact same verses except this last part. That's why you want to read all the scriptures. Luke has this. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So whenever you think of those verses, again, ask, seek, knock. It's not just, oh God, I, I need I need a better car. I need a bigger house. God, I need more of your Holy Spirit. Lord, help me to be content with what you've given me today. And if you want to give me something else, I'm, I'm fine with that too. But if not, God, I'm fine with what you want me to have. But more importantly, God, give me more of your Holy Spirit. Guys, I'm just talking about my own heart. I could have a lot of hatred towards what's going on. And I'm spending a lot of time in prayer about my desperately wicked heart. That when somebody comes against me, I can lovingly tell them, God loves you. And desires a relationship with you. In my flesh, that's not what I would say. Just giving you a personal testimony. I need more of the Holy Spirit each and every day. If you got it all together and you don't, fine. I need it. So I'd encourage you as we go down this road and as we see what's taking place in our culture and our society, start asking, start seeking, and start knocking And God will give you more of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you and praise you. For we need more of your Holy Spirit in these desperate days that we are in. Without your Holy Spirit, we're going to say something goofy. We're going to say something dumb. We're going to say something unscriptural. And we're going to be a bad testimony for you. 
So, Father, guard our minds, guard our mouths, guard our hearts, that when we do speak, we think before we open our mouths and we lovingly take people to the truth, the truth of your word. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We are not ambassadors for America. We are ambassadors for Christ. You have given us the hands and the feet of good news, the gospel. No unbeliever has the gospel. We, as Bible-believing Christians, have the gospel, the good news, eternal salvation. So, Father, we ask that you fill us even right now afresh and anew, even as we're sitting here praying. Lord, clear our minds from lunch or any other distraction right at this very moment and get our minds on the fact, I need more of the Holy Spirit. Father, give us more of the Holy Spirit that we might go out in the power that they will know that we have spent time in your word, that we have spent time with Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we all stand and sing a song? If you need prayer for anything, please come forward. We would love to pray with you. If you do not have Jesus as your Savior, please come forward. We would love to pray with you. God bless you guys. Have a great week.